This is the Voice Over Work podcast, brought to you by Newton Media Group, a family of creative services. This is Tuesday, March 15th, 2021. On the podcast today, we'll take a little deeper look into a book introduced in a previous podcast with a chapter-by-chapter look at Think Like Socrates, Unlock the Power of Socratic Questioning to Improve Your Critical Thinking and Persuasion Skills, written by Stephen Schuster, narrated by Russell Newton. Chapter 1. Man of Mystery Socrates was a man shrouded in mystery. He bucked the typical Athenian standards of his time, circa 470 to 399 BCE, yet what little we know about him comes from second-hand sources with questionable reliability. For one of the world's most well-known philosophers, Socrates wrote nothing himself, but over the passing centuries has almost become a character with different personality traits depending on the era the author was writing in or their beliefs. Much of what's been written about Socrates has been rejected as false. Referring to historical sources, rather than more modern versions which have taken certain liberties, we learn that Socrates stood out among his contemporaries in Athens. In an age where good looks and maintaining a healthy body were directly tied to success, the historical sources all readily agree that Socrates was unattractive in every way, including looking as if he'd skipped many meals rather than having the preferred aesthetic of a pot belly. Historical accounts and drawings and busts from this period look nothing like the later statues depicting Socrates with a more handsome visage. We commonly see these later images on websites and dust jackets today. Beyond being recognizable for his notoriously bad appearance, Socrates was also a well-known and controversial person in Athens, to the point he was mocked in plays by other philosophers of the era. He was often the butt of jokes in plays, subject to much comic ridicule. Aristophanes' The Clouds is a perfect example of this. In his play, Aristophanes uses Socrates as the main character to show immorality and... Chapter 2. On Ethics and Virtue Ethics was at the heart of Socrates' agenda. He was invested in defining and distinguishing right from wrong. This, again, was a tricky undertaking, as what's right for one person may not be right for another. Socrates was on the lookout for an objective good that must be so under any circumstances. It's like the Kantian categorical imperative, which is an unconditional moral obligation, which is binding in all circumstances and is not dependent on a person's inclination or purpose. Finding such objective truths is challenging, because virtually everything good for someone can be detrimental for someone else. While a coal mine is horrible for the environment and the local community, it is good for the owners of the mine and all those people the coal will serve. Giving your seat up for the elderly is good for that person, but it may be detrimental to you if the bus suddenly breaks and you fall. These are examples of good or bad phenomena, not the definition of an overarching concept as Socrates would wish. But how can we define what good precedes other goods? 
How can we tell for certain what's objectively good? These questions take us to the more abstract territory of virtues. In the previous chapter, we discussed that Aristotle, a student of Plato, gleaned much information about Socrates due to Plato's relationship with Socrates. We can reason it to be a fairly accurate assessment of Socrates' actions, abilities, and analysis of big life questions, i.e., what is virtue, what is justice. Unlike other philosophers, Socrates emphatically claimed that he never taught and his personal style of philosophizing was through conversation. Because so- Chapter 3. Persuade Others with Socratic Questioning The Truth versus Persuasion When we use the Socratic method as a persuasion tool, we distance ourselves from its original meaning. Socrates didn't want to persuade others to see things as he did. He wanted to encourage a learning discussion. When we ask persuasive questions, we intend to change the other person's mind. Questioning to persuade others is done in the same fashion as regular Socratic questioning, with a caveat. These questions are less open-ended and usually are suggestive of an answer. What do you think about bicycles and Do you like bicycles? Sound like the same question at first read. But if you look deeper, the first question doesn't influence what you think about bicycles. The second question injects the word like into the picture. Now, you can still say, no, I don't like bicycles. But if you asked a thousand people, more would say yes than if you asked them, what do you think about bicycles? Persuasion, using the Socratic method, can be more intense like the boot camp approach we talked about in the first chapter, or less intense, like the thinking approach. Let's see an example of an intense, persuasive argument between Rachel and Rick. The dog cannot sleep in the bed. Can you hear the dog crying when he doesn't sleep in the bed? It keeps me up at night. Don't you want me to get a good night's rest? He gets dog hair on the bed, and I don't like that. If I brushed the dog more often and changed the bed sheets more frequently, would that make having the dog in the bed more tolerable for you? I suppose we can try it, but you must brush him and change the sheets. If you don't, he can't stay in bed. In the above example, Rick's goal is to convince Rachel to... Chapter 4. Socratic Questioning and Cognitive Behavioral Therapy I'm not a therapist. And I'm not representing myself as one either. This chapter means to discuss the many uses of the Socratic method for therapists or those who seek the services of a therapist. Counseling and therapy can be priceless for helping you navigate a difficult period in your life. It takes time for the patient-doctor relationship to develop enough trust to divulge the real reason they seek therapy. It's not uncommon for a patient to state They're seeking therapy for one reason, but later reveal they're in therapy for a related but deeper issue. An example of this might ask to discuss their lack of organization skills, and later may reveal that they are, in actuality, a hoarder whose home is overrun by junk and garbage. Socratic questioning used in therapy sessions can help with both the therapist and patient identify the true purpose of therapy sooner rather than later. Admitting deeply personal things about yourself is difficult. However, a good therapist can use cognitive restructuring to help you change your thoughts and later your actions 
related to a problematic life area. According to Therapist Aid, cognitive restructuring refers to the process of challenging and changing irrational thoughts. Socratic questioning is one technique to encourage this process. Therapists use Socratic questioning verbally by asking probing questions about their clients' irrational thoughts. As clients improve their awareness of irrational thoughts, they can begin to consciously question their thoughts. By using Socratic questioning in therapy sessions, the therapist's goal is to assist the patient in determining which thoughts are irrational and lead the patient down a path of problem. Chapter 5. How to Ask Better Questions as a Leader How to Effectively Use Socratic Questioning as a Leader Being a leader is not an easy task. Challenges can increase when leadership changes or leaders attempt to change the culture of their business. This is a paradigm shift for the organization, and acquiring the buy-in from the organization's employees can be challenging. Let's suppose an employer wants its employees to step up their performance to meet specific goals. As a reward, employees who meet performance goals will receive monetary bonuses, and the focus of the organization will shift on the staff's performance versus the number of hours they put in at the office. The organization leaders can announce these changes to their staff in several ways. They can simply make a statement and expect the staff to jump on board, or apply Socratic questioning to pump up and excite their employees about the changes. Let's see how that might look. Leader Can our business meet and exceed its sales goals? Staff, you bet we can. If we meet our goals, should we be eligible for bonuses? Absolutely. What if one of us is efficient and teaches us how to reach our goals with less work, meaning we need not spend as much time in the office? That would be awesome. Is it just as good as working a full 40-hour week to achieve the same results? Definitely. How would we factor that into how bonuses are calculated? It should be based on overall performance and reaching sales goals. In this example, the leader has brought the staff around to a conclusion about how bonuses will be calculated by having them answer pre-planned questions. With that process, this has been Think Like Socrates. Unlock the power of Socratic questioning to improve your critical thinking and persuasion skills. Written by Stephen Schuster. Narrated by Russell Newton. Copyright 2022 by Stephen Schuster. Production copyright by Stephen Schuster. Conclusion I hope you can see yourself using Socratic questioning at work and in your everyday life to help you reach your goals. The Socratic method is a technique you can count on, from trying to define vague concepts that can have many definitions, to persuading your boss to see your viewpoint for why you deserve a raise. Remember that Socrates practiced his philosophy by using simple conversation. It can be harder to persuade someone in your direction if you're beating them over the head with facts and figures and judgments. Approach situations as if they were a conversation. And don't forget that making assumptions can be helpful if you can justify your thinking. Thank you for taking the time to read this book and learn the principles. I hope you take the time to seek opportunities to use Socratic questioning and then do so with confidence. Don't worry if you're unsure at first. The more you practice, the more confident you will become.
Remember, this isn't an argument or a debate. You need only to have a conversation, just like Socrates. Best of luck, Stephen. Introduction Greetings. My name is Socrates, and my thoughts change the world. But that's a bold and conceited statement for an introduction, so allow me to tell you a more detailed version of my story. As we speak, I'm sitting in a jail cell on the outskirts of Athens. Within minutes, a guard will bring me a drink. It'll be a cup of hemlock, a poisonous potion, prompting a paralytic passing. I shall empty the cup, following which act I'll become very sleepy and shut my eyes forever soon afterward. But before that happens, I wanted to share some of my ideas with you. I was born in Athens, in ancient Greece, always a private person, wishing to keep this habit in my last moments, too. Without too many personal details, I'm comfortable confessing that I have the reputation of a mysterious troublemaker in my homeland. People call me the first Western philosopher, but I don't indulge in such self-polishing thoughts. Philosophers usually flatter themselves, thinking they know a lot about the world. I don't think I know that much. The Peloponnesian War left a mark on my mind, and after returning to Athens, I isolated myself to think a bit. In my time, wisdom was the coolest label you could possess. If someone gathered a large support group behind his ideas, he was proclaimed wise. I took such wisdom with a large grain of salt. In my experience, many people who seem to be or claim to be wise are not that wise. This naturally proposes a problem. Those who believe in the authority of this sage will blindly follow him, often at the cost of severe consequences. Questioning wisdom helps you discover flaws in it. If you don't question, knowledge stands still. Please be sure to visit Amazon.com or Audible.com for more information on this book and the author. Show notes and further information can be found at RussellEricNewton.com. With a collection of trivia, research, news stories, and knowledge from some of the newest audiobooks on the market, this has been the Voice Over Work Podcast, brought to you by Newton Media Group, a family of creative services.